Hey man, you tell me you want to get serious, I believe you. Hey podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Hey everybody, happy Thursday morning. This is the Lifestyle Business Podcast, where we believe building a business is the best way to get more personal freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and those around you. Today I'm joined by my captain, my co-host, a man who believes large servings of cheddar are a part of any healthy diet. Welcome to the program, Ian. How are you doing, buddy? Cha-ching. Doing good. Both in Indonesia, not in the same room. <laughs> if you're a new listener to this podcast, uh, Ian and I, you know, we're two guys, we're two I would say old school-ish hustlers. We got uh, QuickBooks on a real server in an office in California. We've got a warehouse, uh, but we still love the travel. So we're doing the whole uh, real business thing with the travel. I'd say we do a lot of uh, popping our blue collars, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, speaking of something uh, a little bit fumpy, we're putting on an event in Berlin. Um, in, uh, just about 16 hours ago, we put up an offer in our private forum, the dynamite circle. And, uh, it looks like we have 30 signups for that event already. And there's only, I guess, 75 spots. So pretty baller, huh? Yeah. Besides, uh, getting together, uh, DC BKK format, which is, uh, for those of you that weren't there, basically party on Friday, um, party on Saturday, party on Sunday. And somewhere in between there, we do, um, talking. So uh, <laughs> people, people put on uh, talks and we do business breakdowns and it's a good opportunity to meet uh, fellow entrepreneurs and make some uh, real business connections. So yeah, so, so totally looking to, forward to Berlin. The thing about Berlin is it's a lot more expensive than Bangkok. I mean, we've got a super amazing hipster hotel just to right in, right uh, in line with your guidelines. So um, we're going to try to sell that out within the dynamite circle. But if there are a couple extra spots left, like I said, there's like 75 or 80 spots. There might be some spots left. We will offer it to our mailing list. So make sure that you uh, go to lifestylebusinesspodcast.com and put yourself on the mailing list. And we do look at every person who opts in. We send you an email that tells you like everything that's going on and then uh, ask some questions from you. And I reply to everybody. So uh, getting on the mailing list can be a, a fun thing as well. Part of what I'm excited about here about uh, Berlin, Dan, is that we're going to be seeing a bunch of our Euro friends, uh, guys that can make it to uh, DC, Bangkok. So I think it's cool that yeah. uh, this year we've decided to do it in two different locations because it's not always easy for everybody to get to Asia. Um, I am sad that our buddy Brendan Tully won't be making it because he's an Australian. He wah, told wah, me today wah. that the tickets were 2K to come to Berlin. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. But uh, we're going to be doing a little bit of a Euro adventure. So hopefully we'll be having some on-location podcasts. We're going to Rome and Paris and maybe even Switzerland. So, uh, man, we're going to have a pretty cool spring. I'm looking forward to it. Um, speaking of spring and life and health, uh, we've been talking a lot about the opportunity for DIY health services. And I thought I'd just sort of toss this out there on the podcast, um, to let everybody know the opportunity. And I think there's a lot of business opportunity here, Ian. So the basic idea is this, um, you know, these things that like quantified self and Tim Ferriss and all these guys, they like get their blood test done or Ray Kurzweil also talks about this, by the way, fantastic voyage is a book worth reading if you're interested in longevity and health. 
And uh, he talks about getting blood tests, you know, proactively and then sort of adjusting your diet to tailor it to whatever you're lacking. The other thing that we found is here in Asia, um, in places like Jakarta and Bangkok, you can go to really great hospitals. I'm actually in a hospital right now. I don't know if you can hear the echo. And this is what got this on my mind, um, is that you can get an MRI in Jakarta for $365. And I think a lot of times as Americans, we kind of think like, well, there's, I mean, you don't go to that machine unless it's like the last resort, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you like yeah. limp, you limp into that thing. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's all about preventative maintenance. I think that that's kind of what we're learning about. And, uh, it's kind of weird, you know, coming from America, one of the wealthiest countries in the world, how I'd say bad our healthcare system is and, and how it really doesn't support these kind of preventative, um, maintenance trips. And what we're finding here in Asia, um, you know, that there's a huge opportunity, number one, for medical tourism, um, for I'd say Americans and people who are interested in this kind of stuff, but it number two, it's super cheap. So I just went over to uh, BMIC uh, here in Bali and I got a comprehensive uh, health assessment. Uh, so an EKG, chest x-ray, blood test, liver function, uh, tumor markers, all that stuff for about uh, $250. Imagine a service where it was like a mix of a, a conference about proactive health or maybe even like smart drugs and stuff like that. And it's like, Hey, everybody pays $1,500 and they like put you in the MRI. They put you in the ultrasound. I mean, they do everything. And then you get this cool report and then it's like, here's what you need to do. Like you need to be thinking about this kind of stuff. Like you need to adjust your diet in these ways. Um, or you need to see a specialist about this kind of stuff. I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. I think a lot of dudes would want to do that. A lot of dudes and dudettes would want to do that kind of thing. All right. Ian, we got a bunch the friggin' iTunes reviews. Give me the applause effect. Uh, Carrie says, I really enjoy this podcast. Five stars. I have to say that I truly appreciate the value presented every week. It's not every day that you get to hear successful people share their ideas and what actually works for them. A must-listen podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs. Five stars. Fernando says, Dan and Ian are consistently providing relevant, actionable advice for anybody seeking to become an entrepreneur. Thanks, Fernando, and thanks for everybody for going to that old clunky iTunes interface and giving us a review ski. All right, speaking of diets and health, Ian, let's get moving on to the meat and potatoes. This week I put out on our Facebook page where we've got a bunch of fans, and uh, they wrote us in on force uh, a bunch of questions, and also a, lot, a bunch of people emailed me, Dan at Lifestyle Business Podcast, asking some questions. So what do you say we just dive right into this? Yeah, buddy. Brad asks, if I were... To just get started learning online advertising, say AdWords, what are the best books, websites, or anything like that um, to get started with? And, uh, you know, I think this is an interesting thing uh, just to preface the question, which is online advertising is a great way. If you want to live the location independent lifestyle, a lot of the guys in the D.C., they run private PPC shops that focus on certain industries or certain types of clients. And there's just tons of money in it, obviously, because the ROI is so clear on, on paid advertising. Yeah, we talked about this last episode. Dave Huss is our guy, and we just see ridiculous ROI from him and uh, what he does for us. So I think you know every small business that has some kind of presence online should be doing paid advertising. Uh, we talked about this before too um, with our original um, portable bar site. That's the way that we sold our first, I think, 25 bars was 100% off paid advertising. Um, we have another site that sells industrial products. Um, 
we do basically we got crushed with the with the panda update uh, several months ago. So we are nowhere in the SERPs organically. Yeah, we're um, in good all company. All we do is paid advertising to that site, and that site um, grossed a hundred thousand dollars last year. So if you wanted to get into this this sweet sweet game of paid advertising, where would you start? Well, I would start with experience. Um, I think that intellectualizing like should be like this spice or the the seasoning on top of experience. I don't think you should sort of learn yourself into doing. So, um, Ian, you ever have the experience where you read the Lonely Planet guide after you've been to a place rather than before you go there? Yeah, it's like always best to read it um, before your second trip. Exactly. It's so much more difficult to implement the suggestions and to go to the places if you don't know the context. And so the way I would start, Brad, is, well, let me tell the story of uh, the guy who's editing this podcast right now, Ben. Ben came up to me like a month ago and he was like, look, I'm going to start a podcast editing service and uh, I want to edit your podcast for free in order to learn how to do it. And so it's sort of interesting because now that's, that's some hard yards, Brad. Like Ben's putting in a lot of work to do this podcast, but by spending eight hours a week actually working in the trenches, we can talk podcasts with a capital P together. So like when I tell him about like certain audio things or certain RSS things, he knows what I'm talking about because he's got a little bit of sweat under that. And so he can implement those suggestions immediately. So I think I would start with going out and finding, trying to run someone's campaign for free. I mean, this is really hard work. It's really time intensive. And uh, even if you're a noob, you can provide a ton of value by just giving people visibility on their campaigns. That's right. And the A in APHD is Apprentice. That's right. So start with Apprentice. All right. Eugene asks, on your own 1,000-day journey, that's a, a reference to the 1,000-day principle, Ian, which states that it takes about 1,000 days to replace your corporate income with your small business income. Now, of course, a lot of these cats are much smarter than us and doing it faster, but the whole idea is to... Get, get some long ball thinking into your brain. What was your personal lowest point from a business point of view? You got a story to share with us, E? Yeah, in um, 2009, I'd say uh, that's where we went through the Seth Godin dip. Uh, so the way the dip works is you're doing okay, business is going great, you got it off the ground, and then you take a little dipsy uh, before you go up and business really does well. And for us, that was in 2009. And I'd say more than anything uh, for us, it was an emotional dip. So just to paint a picture, um, we were selling physical products in San Diego. Um, we had a warehouse up there um, pushing these products, and I was doing everything. So I was uh, the guy in the warehouse. I was building the products. I was taking the sales calls. Um, I was trying to generate leads. I mean, we had absolutely no help. You were helping with the online stuff, but it was just me and you, basically. And uh, I just remember sitting in my studio apartment that I was paying way too much for in San Diego and just thinking, man, this sucks. Like, we figured out a way to build a business, but basically all I've really done is figured out a way to have three different jobs now. I'm a warehouse manager. Uh, <laughs> I'm a sales guy. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm doing all these jobs. And so I basically figured out a way to replace my income, but it wasn't um, very satisfying because I was working twice as hard. And so that was the dip for us. And uh, that didn't really turn around until um, we started hiring people. Yeah, I think, you know, hiring people, processes, and uh, man, I remember that time too. It's like, I think part of it is like, you feel like you're giving so much to your business and so much to your customers and you're in the same spot that you were in when you had a job. Yeah, it's nice that I get to go to the coffee shop at 10 a.m. or whatever, but like I'm completely exhausted. Yeah, and to parlay that point, you know, one thing that I talked about in uh, Bangkok last year that was part of my uh, 
my speech was uh, only making 40K for several years. So one of the things that was cool about the dip for me um, was actually that I wasn't worried about money because I had emotionally um, accepted the fact that I was only going to take $40,000 from the company for the first couple of years because we wanted to reinvest in inventory and we wanted to reinvest in personnel and things like that. So um, I think for a lot of people, part of the dip might be, oh, I'm not making as much money as I was at my corporate job or something like that. But for me, that was never an issue. What is your biggest challenge in launching a new product? Ian? Um, this is something that uh, Seth Godin talks about a lot too, which is, uh, and, and we talk about a lot too, which is it's not hard to make products anymore. Um, it's not hard to make physical products. It's not hard to um, blend wine. It's not hard to do any of these things uh, anymore because there's so much information out there and people have been doing it for so long. Um, what's hard is to get people's attention and what's hard is to market your products to an audience and build an audience that cares about your product. So you know, I'd say, um, and this is kind of like the artist's dilemma. So it's it's not good enough to be able to play like the best rock band songs, Dan. And this is something that you and I were talking about. Like you have to convince other people that your songs are kick-ass too. And that's the really hard part. Once you've earned the trust and attention of people, you know, you can walk up on stage and like drop some art bomb on everybody. But at the beginning, you're going to have to do things that solve their problems or serve their interests or passions. And that's going to mean writing the pop song with the big hook. You know, if, if that's what you want, you want the trust and attention of people or having some kind of integrity in your art. And I think when it comes to, um, you know, launching products, that might be, you know, shipping products that don't need to be launched. That's one of it, right? Because you want your customers to be so satisfied with your products that it has a, a small viral loop to it. So are the first five people that get your product telling the next five people about it? Uh, when Ben Kruger edits our podcast, do I manage to mention it to others that he should edit their podcasts as well? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it starts with one person. It starts with two people. It starts with three people. That's that trust and attention. And it doesn't just happen because you put up a clever blog post all the time. And I think the second thing about launching products is getting off of bad products. We've had a couple of those. Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, basically, uh, you know, there's, it's so easy just to sort of be attached to your idea and not listen to your marketplace and do what they're asking you to do and become that servant that we talk about often. We're going to loop back to a little bit of that in a future question. But first, Elena asks, what do you think about the emerging trend that everyone and their grandmother is slapping up blog posts together into an e-course or an e-book? Is that a hot new thing that people are doing to monetize your, your blogs? Do you personally find it ethical? What in your eyes distinguishes a valuable e-course from the thousands that are bound to be the 21st century snake oil? <laughs> I love it. Hey, Elena, here's, here, I have a lot of opinions about blog marketing. Um, I think it's all about how you execute. So, you know, if the biggest problem that I see, Elena, is that the courses serve the owner of the courses more so than they serve the consumer of the courses. If that's the case, yeah, then, really good point. So Elena has one more question. She says, when you write your book, is it going to be uh, 10 juicy, totally awesome steps to making money? Yay. Or yay. Or are you going, uh, are you doing it more to make an impact? Namely, what's the goal of writing a book? Is it to, is it like a life personal goal or is it to make money? Well, uh, you know, Dan Kennedy is one of my favorite authors and, and he often says in his books that, look, 
I'm not going to make any money off of this book. The reason I'm doing this is to earn your trust and attention. I'm writing this book so that you come to my website and say, you know who I am and so that my ideas get lodged in your head. We have a lot of debates about this on Dynamite Circle about, um, you know, sharing books around and stuff. And I guess the question is, Ian, if you, if you wrote a book, right, and it had a price tag of it of, say, $12 on it, and I said to you, I'm going to take that book, I'm going to copy it illegally on a copier, and I'm going to give it to 500 entrepreneurs. How would you feel about that? Actually, I would feel great about that. Writing the book is exactly what you said. It's to gain the trust and attention of people. And the more people that uh, the book gets in the hands of, then I think that's better off you are. I think the idea about uh, the reason, the thought experiment about whether you'd want people to sort of steal your book is the idea of um, books really start making marketers money when you've got back-end products. But the big money is going to come from whatever it is that your back-end is, whether that's products or retreats or uh, workshops or whatever it is that you're going to be doing with that information. So I think that's important. Um, but I think that there's a bigger thing at play here, right, Ian, which is that books are a great way to spread important ideas. I can tell you a story. Um, I was staring at a bookstore the other day. And it's kind of this surreal thing because bookstores were always like my refuge when I was growing up. I loved going to bookstores and they were almost like this portal to another world. I remember this one uh, moment, I was like 12 years old or something, and I picked up a Stephen Hawking book. It's kind of like a magical interplay, right? Like this 12 year old kid from central Pennsylvania picks up a Stephen Hawking book and tries to read the damn thing. I don't think I understood it, but it's a cool idea of the potential of books. They were like a lifeline to both of us growing up in uh, sort of a average middle-class communities. Uh, one time I walked into a bookstore, speaking of the portal, I'll just tell this entrepreneurial story. I saw this book called, I think it's called Super System, or uh, it's, it's Doyle Brunson's like poker Bible. And it's freaking huge. Okay, he's like the godfather of poker, right? Yeah, and I picked up this book, and I took it home, and I read it. And a couple months later, I made like $1,000 online playing poker after my job. So it's like, it really is this kind of opportunity that you read a book. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to get that from a tweet or a blog post. I mean, it took me sitting with that book for hours and conditioning my brain. So as an author, um, getting back to the original question, I'm totally geeking out on this. The biggest potential of books is to transmit important ideas to others. That, that to me, you know, if you want to, uh, Elena, if you want to tell people what Dan and Ian do, is it like, well, listen to episode 113 or is it read X blog post or read their biography or whatever? No, I, I think the best modality there would be read this book. This is, the, this is, you know, you can sit with this idea for a few hours and understand the project. And that to me is why books are so powerful and that's why I want to write one. All right, Nick writes, when you guys say you stumbled onto key boxes, could you elaborate? I'd like to hear some of your idea generation techniques. You got it, Nick. Here's the thing. In this world, there are two different types of people. There are people that like to solve the problems of others, and there are people that are obsessed with solving their own problems. It's like uh, a, a lot of times on this podcast, Ian and I will say stuff like, man, there's no good like expat tax consultant for international businesses. Now, four years ago, if I'm on the other end of this microphone, I'm listening to that and thinking, uh, that's an opportunity. I'm going to go try to take a stab at that problem. Um, ben Kruger did the same thing. You know, we brought him up earlier in the episode. A couple episodes ago, we say, hey, this content thing is, a, is an opportunity. There's nobody helping people out with like highly specialized content. 
And he decided to, to get, you know, put aside his own problems for a moment, put aside his own big ideas of what he thought was cool or what he wanted to do and listen uh, to the problems of others and go out and try to solve them. And I think that that is the distinction between, you know, people who make it happen and people who don't. I mean, we don't want to get into the key box niche. I don't even know what a key box is. I didn't care. But by listening and putting your ear to the ground, I heard that that was a problem for people. I heard that there was major problems with the suppliers in the industry. And that's what got us motivated to get into that marketplace. Not, oh, I really want this great idea to happen, or I think this is cool product or whatever like that. That makes yeah, sense. exactly, uh, Dan. There was uh, there was very little ego involved in selling key boxes. Trust me. But Nick, I think maybe uh, we're a little bit too coy sometimes about uh, the way that we approach things. So when we say stumbled upon key boxes, I probably mean I did some espionage and I called up the competition and I figured out what their pain points were and maybe I acted as if I was somebody that I wasn't. So uh, hardly stumbling. Um, you know, portable bar companies. That's um, another w- company that w- we kind of stumbled upon. Uh, if you will. So one of our customers from our Keybox site actually called us and said, hey, I buy Keyboxes from you. I would also like to buy portable bars if you made those. Um, it was a big leap for us. I'm not even sure why this person thought that we would manufacture that product. Uh, yes, it's made out of metal, but that's about the only synergy that it um, that they shared. Um, but anyways, we started to do some research on the portable bar industry and found out that it was right up our alley. Yeah, but the thing about it is that, quote, research, speaking of Koi, it was being in the marketplace solving other types of problems. I mean, we probably called that competitor because we needed to, like, bundle their product into uh, sort of a shipment for our customers, right? So, like, our customers yeah. were like, yeah, we want your products, but we also need a key box. So we're like, oh, crap. So then we go call the key box guy, and we're like, do you have key boxes? And they, like, call us back four days later. And we're like, what the heck's up with the guy that calls us back four days later? Can't, you know, it's, and then we call them, and we're like, why do you call us back four days later? And they're like, well, you know, we make a million dollars a year, and we're pretty lazy and all this stuff. And we're thinking, okay, well, we can solve this problem. I think No, this is exactly how the conversation goes. You're not kidding. We make X amount of dollars and our suppliers in Chicago and they make these on a per order basis and they're really expensive and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there. I can't believe you're telling me all this information. And you know what, Ian, I'm really sick of like, uh, you know, I, I just, I have a hard time relating to when people are getting started out and I'm like, look, this international tax thing or this key box thing or whatever, you just like lay a big fat opportunity in front of buddy and you just get this in return. You get this, eh, I don't really want to do, I don't, I, I, I have, there's not a cell in my body that relates to that. Like when you're at that point, when you're, it's like job or location independent income, like you don't have that luxury. I just don't understand that. To me, the opportunity to build businesses, to live anywhere, to do whatever I want, to not have a freaking stupid job was so huge that I would have never caught myself with the, yeah, I don't really, now, <laughs> now like five years later, I can be the prima donna. I can do whatever I want and I can write a passion blog about my, um, you know, love of snakeskin boots all around the world or whatever. But like back in the day, I'm listening for problems and I'm freaking delivering like Ben, like John McIntyre, like these guys that are doing this and they're making it work because they're not thinking about themselves first. They're willing to put off that stuff for a few years. And this is what Pressfield talks about in turning pro too. It's like people who can delay that gratification. Oh, you want to be super pumped about the work that you do like right now, this moment, follow your passion, like, you know, the next moment, write a, write a blog about bubblegum or whatever. Fine. Have fun with that. But that's amateur hour. You know, it's turning pro. It's deciding you're going to have a long-term approach to delivering value to others. That's it. 
Yeah, buddy. All right. Let's get moving on to just the tip. All right, really quick, just the tip section. I want to do an iPhone apps edition. I want to talk about my three favorite iPhone apps really quickly. First off, TweetDeck for iPhone sucks. Go ahead and spend the two bucks or whatever and download TweetBot. It's a beautiful, beautiful app for those of you like me who are obsessed with Twitter. Uh, second uh, app, hat tip to Brennan Tully for pushing me in this direction, trip it. It's one of those things like frequent flyer airline miles. It seems like a pain in the butt to set up at the beginning, but once you do it, it really adds up and provides value to your life. So trip it only takes like five minutes to set up or less. And uh, what it does basically is you just forward all your airline tickets to TripIt, and then they're all saved in your telephone. And it's, it's, it's quite useful for, uh, especially if you're traveling here in Asia, like showing outbound tickets to the counter agent and just uh, understanding like when your tickets are coming up. Simple things like when you walk into the airport and you need proof of your receipt, you just pull up your TripIt app and you show the guy on your phone. So that's super useful. Final app I'd like to recommend is Feedler RSS app. This is a free application that syncs your favorite RSS feeds with your Google Reader on your computer. So uh, when you go to the bathroom or the library, as we like to call it, you are well supplied with all your favorite blogger content. And you have one quick tip here on the rip sheet as well. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about that one. I'm going to do a little switcheroo real quick. I just spent, uh, I don't know, about six hours the other night from uh, nine at night on uh, looking into... Um, uh, mileage secrets for credit cards because uh, I'm starting <laughs> to get really interested in this. We've uh, we've got quite a bit of uh, points on our Amex, and I did a Google. I was like, what happens if you have X amount of points? Um, and it seems like we're kind of in uh, a top tier, so we need to figure out how to start spending these Amex points. And I came across a site, um, and it's called the MillionMileSecrets.com, and it's a pretty cool site. And this guy uh, gives a, a lot of tips and tricks on how to spend those miles. And let me tell you, Dan. It takes forever, I mean forever, to figure out strategies with this stuff. So I found that Asia Miles is good because Asia Miles is one-to-one. -one. The points transfer one-to-one, -one, whereas Starwood Points is one-to-three. Um, but I definitely recommend this MillionMileSecrets.com. Now let me interrupt. Let really me get insights into what to do with your inter miles. Interrupt your beautiful tip just to get back to all the people out there that are wondering, what should I do? How should I get started? You got a guy right here who's got money to spend He's got time that he can't spend. He's got a huge problem on his plate. There you go. There's a huge hustle on the plate right there. This whole mileage redemption, this whole awards points, how to hustle. Look at Gillibo as a model who's doing travel hacking cartel. There's a bunch of other sites out there like this. There's obviously a huge marketplace for it, and the problems have not been solved. So there you go. Boom, chakalaka. We've got the limited attention span jam. This is a quick final session with a music bed from Coheed and Cambria, good night, fair lady. Um, if you guys are looking for two pieces of great content this week to listen to, number one, from me, I will suggest Shoe Money's new book. This is Jeremy Shoemaker. It's fantastic. Listen to his interview on Mixergy and read the book, Nothing's Changed But My Change. Absolutely love it. Yeah, buddy, and I will recommend Alex Sampson. I want to talk to Sampson. Sampson! He was on Mixergy the other day. Um, and he is a pro at teaching base and he's got some really cool insights um, that I think you should uh, give a listen to. It's a fantastic interview. Well done, guys. All right. And uh, like I said earlier, we're playing you out with Goodnight Fair Lady and we'll say goodnight to this podcast. We'll see you next Thursday morning. Booyah.
Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do. Yeah. <laughs>